nuts. We weren't deplatformed. Nobody took us down. We're we just lazy. It's the opposite of being deplatformed. We could try really hard though. Maybe I'll tweet at Google or something. They're not that big. I feel like I feel like you could tweet like tweet learn to code to Jack Dorsey and you probably get banned. You probably get banned. I could try that just to see what would happen. He'd probably be like, I know how to code, and you'll be like, yeah, but. Only 128 characters? Right. 256 now? It's 200 and some characters. Now. At any rate. 280. What are you doing? Get off my lawn. That's so easy. Can right. your database not hold more than that? Do uh, you need more RAMs? No, we have plenty of RAMs. Anyhow, welcome back to Carl Pooling. Our, uh, our computer died at the end of last week's show, so we had to, uh, we had to audible. But yeah. that means that you get the rare privilege of having a double episode this did, week. Did you know that... My wife, Katie Carl, does not know, did not know what the word audible meant until like, I think maybe a week or two ago. And this is strange to me because if you look at her, she looks like a red-blooded American woman. Yeah. Who definitely spent some evenings enjoying the fall, the crisp fall air and the, the tossing of the pigskin. Right. Like the pigskin, I was on the field having it tossed around me because I, I was not a, I was not one of the boys who got the pigskin tossed to him. But my question is, my question is... Uh, did you just come out of the closet? I have no idea how I'm supposed to interpret the last sentence. I think it just means I'm a lineman and nobody th- ever threw a ball to me. That's right. Um, but what I'm trying to understand, is that just a football term? No. Because I don't think it is. Like, I mean, I don't... Here's the thing. I don't think I know the definition of the word audible except for, yeah, I can hear that. Does that make sense? An, an audible, oh, oh, sure. Sure. No, that's a good question. Yeah, because like, yeah, okay, go ahead. Is audible, do they call it an audible because you make a, you make a call to the team audibly? Like, a, it's an audible cue that you're going to change the play. And I also think the spelling's different on them. Is but it? I don't, see, like, this is, who knows? Because it's just a thing you say, and it's like a football term, and now I've lived my entire life where that was a thing, because, like, you'd be in a business meeting and goes, okay, we're going with an audible, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, 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 of course, we're, we're changing the plan, okay, I'm ready, I'm right, ready, I'm ready, I'm the ready. Plan. That's how it's... Okay, Regis, I'd like to phone a friend. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. Unfortunately, we have no friends. And we have no internet, because this is a car. This is a car. Welcome and... to Carl Pulling, where we talk about all things psychology, philosophy, science, religion, big ideas, small ideas, and it's between two brothers and a moving Honda 10 2010 Civic. Wow. I always do that. Welcome to Carl Pulling, a show about different cuts of meat uh, and the ways that you can prepare them and dress them. What's a filet? That's right. We're a couple of butchers, which I didn't know until Hunter just tried that sentence. <laughs> wow. I only got one part of it wrong. You I said, got like t- you said psychology. Psy- well, I did that on purpose. That was the fun part. That's cu- that's for the jokes. Oh, so that time you were being a wee bit retarded, you were ad-libbing. <laughs> the other time you were just actually being a wee bit retarded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're very different. Sure, that tracks, Hunter. Yeah, put it on the board. It makes sense. Anyhow, any interesting anecdotes this week? Uh, I forgot what I named the last segment where I talk about what I did to the car. Oh, uh, st- oh man, it was just studio upgrades. Studio, Something. studio upgrades or whatever it is when we remember it later. Yep, yep, uh, yep. This week, dirt scratched the side of my car. I don't know where it came from. That's it. Dirt scratched the side of your car. Yeah, like there's like there's a there's like this speckled uh, pattern on it where like it's just scratches. And I don't know how to explain it, but it's definitely gone. Hunter, do you not feel like that's a different segment called Studio Downgrades? No, it's the same. All right. It's building character. Well, let's go on to our next segment, because this is a bullet train show today. <laughs> Mile a minute. Welcome to Japan. Next stop, roadkill. What is wrong with you? <laughs> that's association. Bullet- As- Japan's got the bullet trains. Everywhere's got the bullet trains other than America. Oh, okay. Welcome to every country but America. This is oh, okay. roadkill. And Africa and South America. Okay, welcome to... All right, this is getting too that, hard. There's not that many bullet trains, okay? Japan has the bullet trains. Japan and Europe. So I got it right. I was close enough. I just didn't get the association. Well... I'm sorry. That one's on me. Okay, I feel good that I did one thing right today. Um, so this is... Let's, let's be clear. This has been a great week to pick yet again AOC, and we didn't. We could have talked about how she likened... We we could talk about... We could talk about... How she likened uh, 
detention centers on the southern border to Holocaust uh, concentration camps, evoking the phrase specifically, uh, never forget, or, we, or ne I'm sorry, that's 9-11, never again, Holocaust. We could talk about how nonpartisan Jewish groups told her that she did a bad, bad, naughty thing and shouldn't have done it because it makes light of the Holocaust. But we, we could talk about the fact that that there's no way that you can possibly rationally conflate non-citizens being detained in a country they don't belong in awaiting trial to Auschwitz where citizens were uh, carted there on trains that were so full that many of them suffocated on the ride in and also uh, once they got there were forced to work for the German war machine until they died from either disease, experiment, exhaustion, or simply butchering. We could talk about how the fact that the reason that people are in camps, or they're not even camps, in centers on the southern border is because they are trying to get into them and talk about how that Jews in Nazi Germany would have done anything to get out. We could talk about all that. But we're not going but to. we're not going to. We're not going to. to we got out. In fact, we're picking on the right this week. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a senator from the right. Yeah, a Republican so, senator. So. so, little backstory. If you remember a long time we ago. We could talk about the fact that AOC's eyes make her look a little wait. bit like she's from a different planet. Okay. That was only for 15 seconds. I thought that was going to be longer. Okay, I was go really ahead. expecting more. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, but, okay. So... Uh, long, long time ago, about two years or something like that, you remember a horribly tragic event called the Parkland school shooting, where a shooter went into the Parkland school and started mowing down anybody he could find. It was terrible. The There was a huge uh, national gun debate again. CNN did a town hall with the Florida representative, mayor, something or other during that time. It was Rubio. Rubio, thank you. And, you know, it, it was a big old deal. And there was about five kids from there who started going around uh, America and basically talking about gun rights, gun safety. Uh, they took gap years. A lot of them were seniors and things like that. And they kind of became cultural, political icons. They were in times. Um, what was the what was the one girl's name that had, like, the iron deficiency and she was really frail and small? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, David Hogg. Sorry. Go ahead. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, uh, one voice of the students, though, was on the more conservative side. That individual's name was Kyle Kashev. Um, Kyle basically was doing the same exact thing these other students were doing, except was saying that was fighting for gun rights, essentially. Right. Um, basically, the only one correctly pointing out that this tragedy occurred in a gun-free zone. That in a gun free, yeah, and we don't necessarily want to jump down this whole rabbit hole, rabbit trail, but basically, he was arguing for the other side essentially, um, right. by himself, pretty much. Um, so he was accepted into Harvard, and this week, um, a Google Doc where he said some horribly racist things, mm -hmm. uh, with a group of his younger buddies when he was 16, um, came to light. Uh, now. It's not good. He says the he says the n word in it. He says some horrible stuff. So some stuff that you should you should never say. Correct. A, a, There's no right reason not, to say. Especially not when you can't control the audience that's, that that material is going to go to. Yeah, and the, the and, and in the way that they were saying it, uh, there's really no. There's no acceptable time. No. And so, um, the the one thing is, this is three years ago. Kyle was a younger kid. I don't believe I don't believe that may, that justifies anything. And in fact, I think it shows Kyle has a lot to prove as you know as an adult, as a human being, and he has to make up for this in his life. You know, obviously, at, by living a life that is genuinely non-racist. Um, but all that to say, I think this is a, a a step too far. Well, okay, so just in general, in general, the media has been, oh look, Kyle. He's a racist. No wonder he likes guns. Which is like a dumb argument to make. Right. Anyhow. 
and uh, that's not a gross mischaracterization. It's a little bit of a mischaracterization what they say, but it's not a gross mischaracterization. Basically what they're saying is that we should stop listening to Kyle's opinion because he's a brutal racist. Yeah. So anyhow, that you can get into the nuance of do we allow people to grow? You know, Harvard rescinded his uh, invitation to go to school there. Right. And which, we can, we can get into rights. what's right, what's wrong, that's right. Uh, and what people should be doing and whether or not these witch hunts against these certain words and these certain people are a good thing, whether we ever allow the past to die, whether we ever allow people to grow. We could talk about all of that, but there's one hot take that's just a little bit more special. So, ex-GOP rep, I see a shooter when I look at Kyle Cash's racist posts. I see a shooter. Okay, look, I know this guy's a GOP rep. But like the left might well, he's have an ex GOP rep. The left might have gotten one or two things right, <laughs> dude. You see a sh- victim blaming just a smidge, just a smidge, just a smidge, just a smidge. Okay, yeah. Do I like racial epithets? No. Does somebody say a racial epithet and then me instantly make the connection? That guy's gonna shoot up a school. One that day. guy's just gonna kill a bunch of kids. More importantly, heartless. More importantly, do I go to a victim, the victims of a school shooting? Yes, which Kyle is one. Look around the room. Any of you guys? Any of you guys support gun rights? Ever said? Ever said a naughty word about race? That guy's gonna shoot up a school. Yeah, like I, I mean, like it doesn't make sense. It's such an uninformed opinion, and I, and I don't mean that. Like, I'm not saying you know that. Like, if we were to look at the things that lead to this, like, by far, it's like, I would think you would say it's something like someone that really wants to punish society for existence and has mental problems associate in addition to that desire. Like, that, that is the... Uh, Typical profile. That's Columbine. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's it's Pan's Ram. Like, it, it maps on to a lot of different people that fit it, this alternative. It's Aurora, Colorado. Now, I know that was a movie theater, but Hunter, I learned more about love and life in a movie theater than I ever did in a classroom. I'm happy for you, but but like, I, I don't, but there's a lot but here's, like, there's a lot of racists, like there are, and they're not necessarily like, there's not necessarily a ton of them, but there's a lot of racists that have never done a violent thing in their life. Right. Like, it's not a good measure to show like, uh, and Kyle this, is gonna kill people. It's is, so extreme. Well, that's that's just so obnoxious. It's right. roadkill. We don't have to kill it. Right. It is indicative of this this place that we've got to in the culture where ideas are equal to violence now. Yeah. And if you believe that, uh, I, there's not a there's not enough ways to say that that's that's infantile. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, what are we that, talking about this week, Hunter? Th- that's you at put the, me in a bad mood. That's at the Daily Beast. If you want to go and check it out. Yeah, the B- Daily Beast, indeed. So if you wanted to know what today's topic is about, it's about. UBI, otherwise known oh, as... Oh, you know one time I got a UBI? Nope, it's not that. That's okay. a UTI, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yep, different. Okay. All right. Uh, UBI is Universal Basic Income. Dum, uh, dum, 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 dum. Which, we, <laughs> which we've talked about in the past. Um, I, I guess... Well, we talked about it a little bit with, uh, with the new green... Uh, the, I'm sorry, the Green New Deal stuff. Yeah. Uh, where everyone was guaranteed a living wage. Yeah. If they were not able or not willing to work, facepalm times infinity. Facepalm times infinity. Those cows are killing the environment. We have to kill the cows. I sure hope no one spends any of that universal basic income on plane tickets. Or cows. Or... Or tunnel trains um thank you thank you elon musk for your tunnel trains we need them now um but i guess maybe the best place to start is like i think we should both kind of state our opinion on it because in my thought this is not a very this is a new idea that we are taking seriously but it's not an old but it is an old idea like it's been around for a long time but i don't think it's really been talked in politics until very recently. Or I should say that better. It hasn't been talked in our modern context of politics until recently. Like, we never had the conversation about uni- universal basic income while I've been alive, if that sure. sort of makes sense. Uh, um, okay, so you start, because then I'm going to correct your opinion on it when I give mine. Yeah, I and well, I think 
I honestly don't know if there's much to correct in my opinion, though I I know exactly what you're what you're saying here. I I think what I'm attempting to do is to be open about the idea and see if there are any advantages within the system that currently that it beats out in our other systems. And th- and that's just because it's a new thing. I'm just seeing if there's something here that p- potentially presents itself as something different. Um, it very well could not. Um, it very well could ha- suffer from the same problems that many of our other social welfare systems do. But it is um, unique in several different ways. And in some ways, um, I think has shown it to be uh, slightly different than the way uh, at least from a philosophical point than how our other basic social safety nets work. So I'm just, if nothing else, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I want to learn more. And I also think that uh, if you keep up with Andrew Yang at all, I actually like him as a Democratic presidential candidate. I'm not super on board with all of his stuff, but I like him a lot better than Biden or Pete Buttigieg or many of the other people. And I don't think he could actually get universal basic income approved in Congress. I just don't think that's a reality. So like, I kind of want to see him get there, but I also want to take his ID seriously because that's basically his entire platform. So yeah. Uh, okay. But uh, by the way, can we just say Buttigieg has taken a total 180? I thought, at yeah, first we thought he was, was going to cool. be the, the rational one. And now he's just proven himself time and time again to be Highly irrational. I could eat a Chick-fil-A, except they hate gays, so I'm going to burn them down. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. And, Appreciate and it. Joe is just crashing and burning. Yeah. Uh, he's having a rough time, man. Here's here's the problem with universal basic income. Oh, wow. You're just going to start off like that, huh? Well, okay. Let me, let me see this. Yeah. Is it better than, let's say, Medicare? Yes. Okay. As far as social safety nets go. Why? Beca- because it allows the individual consumer to allocate their resources as they see fit. Ergo, it's not the government necessarily trying to dictate the specifics of the economy, which is more disastrous than simply redistributing wealth. Sure. Redistribution is always wrong 100% of the time, no matter what, it's a grave evil. That being said, forced redistribution of wealth. That being said, there's certain amounts of redistribution that have to happen in a society. Right? So you have got to pay for the roads. It doesn't make any sense to tax people that don't have any money. I understand there is more nuance there. but Libraries are something that we probably all agree on are a good social good to put everybody's money into. That's fine. Yeah. Like I can, There's social goods that we've agreed to. They're um, exclusive goods. They're non-competitive goods. Right. And that, this is okay. Um, however... This is not a non-competitive exclusive good. Capital is not a non-competitive exclusive good. It is a highly competitive good. And when you go to redistribute it, you are effectively taking from the the profitable and giving to the not profitable. And not only is that unfair, it's effectively theft. And I'm not saying all taxation is theft, but in this specific instance it is. Here's the insidious part. The same thing that makes it better than let's say, a system by which the government not only redistributes wealth but dictates what the wealth redistributed is to be spent on, this is a system that allows the uh, individuals to make choices with the wealth, and it tricks conservatives, I think. I think it tricks a certain amount of conservatives into thinking like, oh, look, that they're allowing the hand of the market to continue to influence the economy and the decisions, not realizing that at the same time we are still... Uh, redistributing wealth, which creates loss and waste in the economy, very simply put. So uh, whenever I hear universal basic income, what confuses me about it is that effectively the the quasi-socialists who want to instantiate a policy such as that are already taxing the population, and they say, we want to give you all some money back. Well, here's the confusing part. Why not a tax break? You're taking my money to give me back a portion of my money. Why not just take less of my money? Right, sure. And that way we're creating less waste. We're creating less economic drag. And here's the kicker. We're creating less government dependence. So anyway, that's my that's my quick take. Yeah, and I think you raised some points I actually really strongly agree with. Like, I, I don't 
think the thing that attracts me to it in any way, and I'm not even sure if I'm attracted to it, I, I don't think the thing that I find compelling about it is the fact that people are getting a blank check that they can spend where they see fit, if that sort of makes sense. Sure. My, my, my honest concern is, I th and I think you addressed it in your earlier statement, was the fact that this compared to Medicaid or Medicare, which is like, is it a better system than that? And that piques my interest because like, not necessarily do I, you know, like I have an ideal of how I think the economy should work mm -hmm. and it's not going to work that way. Be and it's not going to ever be that way because it's going to require like a lot of people to think exactly the way I think, which is not going to happen. Right. Um, but if I could push it in that direction where I, where it lines up more closely with my values, I'm a, I'll, I'll always do that. Even if it's not exactly the perfect fit, such as like, in a in an argument where, like, someone is pushing for abortion during the entire term of pregnancy, and I'm pushing for abortion, uh, and I want abortion in no term, you know, not at all, mm -hmm. then I'm fine with coming to the compromise of say twelve weeks or something like that. Yeah, let me be clear. If if you said Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, we'd throw them out the window tomorrow. Yes. And instead, we would have we would have universal basic income. I'd make that deal. Oh, okay. So I think I think actually then we have a good conversation here because it's still wrong. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that it's a good thing, and it's but you, there, this is the piece about it is like somehow you have to help the people at the bottom of the pile because mm -hmm. it's really really unfortunate to be at the bottom of the pile, and it, it's it's a it's the it has to happen. Like our society societies can't operate without people at the bottom of the pile, um, and that sucks. But that's the truth. Um, at least we haven't conceived of a society yet, or we've never observed a society yet that doesn't operate that way. Um, just about every system in the entire world needs a hierarchy to go along with. Not it. only that, in systems where we tried to abolish uh, that fact of life, the, right. the fact that the world is, is a thing, is, competence is a thing, and, and that the scarcity is allocated based on competence, or unallocated based right. on competence, if you will. In uh, every system where we tried to mitigate that, it's proven to be an absolute disaster. Right, because the competent that don't have resources allocated to them get pretty pissed about that. And not only that, they, they have less to be competent with. Right, exactly. Okay, so um, I kind of lost my point there. Uh, we were talking about... Universal basic income. Oh, I don't understand. Um, so... I, and about I, the fact that I when I look at... AOC's eyes. I'm not sure that there's a visine for that. I'm just waving. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, like, I think the first thing to me that I could see as a pro to universal basic income and a reason for considering it is the fact that it, it, it may, in fact, make people more productive. Um, and I think that's a really weird thing to hear. Um, and I been and I don't think I really liked it at first when I first heard that, but I saw a recent study and I also have been toying around with the idea and I just want to take your take on this for a second, Chris. So like, I'm here. the difference between say like, um, workers comp or something along those lines, right? I am very interested in maintaining my status to receive that workers' comp check, right? Uh, okay. You, do you understand what I'm saying? And, or like, or disability or whatever it is, right? Like, I want to stay on that literally as much as I possibly can. There, there's an argument to be, and I, we all know people you, like okay, this. Okay, what you're, what you're saying is that if you go on workers' comp, there's a huge incentive for you to do things that are not productive so as to remain on workers' comp. Right, because I lose the benefit of the money as soon as I come off of it. D totally agree. Okay. Yeah, and the same is true for things like Section 8 housing or food stamps or yes. something like this. Yes. Yeah, and so food, stamp, food stamps are a perfect example because, like, I want to always qualify for food stamps because then I always qualify for food stamps and I always have food. Because workers' comp is not necessarily through the government. Correct, yeah, yeah. it's just an example. Um, so one thing that I've... But if I was getting a thousand dollars, and I was getting that a thousand dollars regardless, um, if oh. I was sick, hurt, poor, rich, whatever, it may not have any impact at all on my desire to work. In fact, I may be going like, well, I am kind of comfortable with this a thousand dollars in my page in my pocket every month. I can go 
do whatever I need to do. I can go, you know, eat. I'm not completely homeless. You know, I have temporary housing over my head. But, you know, I kind of want to make ends meet and I kind of want to do more and I kind of want to be something more than this. I think I'll go get a job. And if it goes south, no problem. I still get my $1,000 every month. You see what I'm saying? What, 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 are your, what are your initial takes on that idea? Is that like universal basic income doesn't necessarily affect um, one's desire to work, yes or no? I think it definitely affects people's desire to work. In, in what way? Because if you have income, there, there's a certain amount of income, and it's different for different people, but there's a certain amount of income where it wouldn't be worth it for you to go get a job. Oh, so you think it, so it, depending on the amount that you're receiving, would be, I guess I'm not going to go work now there, because I'm making $50,000 a year and I'm just sitting here. There's, you're right. There's okay. no way that it incentivizes people to work. There's, sure. There's only the opportunity that it disincentivizes people to work. You give people something for nothing, you're not going to incentivize them to get off their ass. You're only going to de-incentivize them. Now, for people that enjoy a certain standard of living, then perhaps it won't uh, disincentivize them at all. But that line is different for different people. So I don't think, I think that there's no scenario in which you're going to increase someone's productivity. You're going to decrease productivity by amount relational to the amount that you're paying out. I think I agree with you. And I think, and I think that's also, so they actually did this study in Finland where they basically took uh, 2,000 people who are receiving government aid okay. and, and said, you guys are now no longer going to receive government aid. Instead, we're going to send you $635 a month. Okay. Okay. Which is basically universal basic income. And then they took a control group of 5,000 other people and then said, what are the differences? And what they found... 5,000 other people who were on government aid? Government aid, exactly. Okay. So they're, so these guys are... See, let's just... These guys are receiving, like, food stamps, and these guys are getting money... Money. ...to do whatever they want with, right? Okay. And so the difference between the two groups was almost nothing. No group worked more than the other. No group outperformed the other. And I think the control group earned like 49 cents more than the uh, uh, universal basic income group. Really? Yeah. So it's like, huh. so like what's interesting is it, all, it it didn't change much. People weren't more productive because of it. The only difference was, and I thought this was really interesting, is the mental health of, and this is only a two-year experiment too, so that's important to keep in mind. Okay. And it was with people who were already on disability, which that, is another... You have to keep that in mind. Right. And so, because you don't know how this could affect the struggling college student who needs an extra hundred bucks to make it. You okay. know what I mean? So, but, but my point being is the mental health of the group receiving the basic income was far greater than the, than the control group. And that's interesting to me because if you could achieve the exact same economic productivity yet get a side benefit of increased mental health is that worth it because that's a, that's a different question that we typically don't bring into this realm where we're talking about uh like economic social safety net policies sometimes we do but it's almost in a um it's almost in a like don't you care sort yeah. of way and i don't think that's just what i'm saying it's like if you could actually improve mental health without increasing costs I'm on board, you know, but that's not the argument most people are making. They're saying, like, you should pay more because you're heartless and you don't care. Yeah, but see, there is still another relevant number there, and that's what's the average mental health of people that aren't on either. Sure. And so, I think you'll find that it would be higher. And that's not to say that there's not going to be some people for who it's much, much worse, but at the same time, people that are self-sustaining, I think, probably have... And, and of course, I'm I'm going with my gut here, not a statistic, but I think that you'd find that they're often happier than both of those groups. That, now, now I agree with you there. I, but 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 your point's well taken. Like if we are talking about whether it's better to give people money with so that they can have agency, or give them a social program that dictates where the resources go. Like I said from the beginning, I think that that's better because it's not it's not the government trying to pull the levers of an economy that no government has ever done successfully. Right. It's simply um, it's simply redistribution, which is still wrong. I'm going to keep saying that. Sure. No, 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 no. And, that, and I, I appreciate that you do say that because I'm not trying to get into that. Um, you know, and I think, I think the other thing that is kind of interesting alongside this is the numbers in uh, Alaska. Um, some people have been studying those. There's a study from, uh, if you, sorry, if you're not familiar, Alaska is a pretty cool place. They yep. pay a dividend to everybody of $2,000 based on the 
uh, oil economy there, the government just simply hands $2,000 to everybody in the state. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, whatever, you get 2000 bucks. Which That's is, right, and it costs the Alaskan government, it costs them almost $7,000 a year after they pay the person who delivers the checks. Oh, okay, so... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Yeah, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty cheap <laughs> It's a pretty cheap deal for them, yeah. Governments are really good, as Yang, as uh, uh, presidential candidate Yang says, at, uh, you know, bureaucracy and sending checks in the mail. Yeah. So it's like, like he's, he's not wrong. You know, that's something that's a core competency of the government. Um, so, uh, and so some people have studied that and some people have said like, it's increased the amount of jobs, the amount of part-time hiring. Cause it's like, Oh, I have some extra money. I'll hire some more people. I found that a little dubious. And I also didn't find like the details on that. Like, yeah, not sure about that. Yeah. And it's all, I was like, that's very Keynesian. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of Keynesian economics because they, well, well, UBI they don't build capital. Most of the proponents of UBI are Keynesians through and through. Sure, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The idea that you can that giving money to the lowest strata of the economy is what boosts the economy. Right. That's that's part and parcel Keynesian economics. And see, that's the thing is like I don't think Keynesian economics is the right argument there because I think it's obviously not true if that sort of makes sense. Like it's yeah, it's it's I'd taking agree with that. it's taking money and distributing it. I think the better argument for any social safety net is it might be the right thing to do. Like a moral imperative to it. And I think you have to be careful because there is a point where that there's a yin and yang to that moral imperative. There's a Absolutely. point where it crosses the line, but it's like, well no one should have to really struggle to eat. And we should try to find a way to take care of that. That's a good moral imperative I think we should ach- want to achieve as a society. Mm-hmm. Whether the right way to do this through distribution of resources or not remains to be seen. Well, see, here's the thing, Hunter. And, and I think this is what trips a bunch of people up. You said that we have to do something about that. and We, we shouldn't let every anybody go hungry. Yes, and I said that more as like uh, uh, the political argument that you could utilize oh. there. I'm not saying it's not necessarily one that I would abide by. But Sh- yeah. No, well, well, I'm just doing battle with the argument. Sure, um, sure, sure. I understand that you're bringing up points that maybe you uh they're good for discussion yes maybe more than good for for belaying your own viewpoint sure but here's the thing that people forget before the 1930s we had an incredible social safety net right in america it was called the church and the local community and there was not a whole lot of poverty to go around people banded together the churches had more money to do uh outreach programs with there was a lot of of social aid given on the local level which i'm all for Mm. you know it wasn't until the great depression when everybody was hungry except for the elite um and fdr new deal (laughs) he might be the closest thing we ever came to as a dictator like seriously might be it like literally gave companies stamps of approval it's definitely the closest that we ever got to socialism yeah, yeah that's for sure approving certain businesses that's pretty fascistic in it's my opinion it's very it's very strange um at, at any rate it wasn't until then where we got this idea in our heads that the government was the proper level by which people should be taken care of and sure there's yeah, a, that's there's a, good a point. huge problem with that yes and the problem is that aid is a great thing for a society to ha- to give and to help build the social fabric back into the society helping the poorest and the weakest among us is one of the best ways that you can do that we were doing that before naturally we were doing that before when people had more of their own money to do with as they pleased sure and i we got to this place where all of a sudden nobody had the ability to do that and it was a dark time but then what we traded for a little bit of security faux security in my opinion from the government was our liberty in that situation we want a king yeah exactly israel yeah and so i i think that there's a way to have better mental health better economic outcomes all of that and still take care of people we've done it before and we can do it again and i wish we weren't so ingrained with this idea that the only level by at which we could affect social change was the governmental level because now we have an entirely different attitude toward helping the poor it's kind of like scrooge from christmas carol aren't there poor houses aren't there bread lines right you know what i'm saying isn't the government supposed to be taking care of that problem it's not my community's problem sure yeah and the problem with that is that it doesn't allow people it doesn't allow any responsibility on the face of the people that are receiving the aid because there used to be programs like yeah 
you wanna you want some food, you want some this, you want some that, come in, clean the church. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, be a member of the community. Give back. Don't just take. Yeah, exactly. And it, it it instilled people with this sense of responsibility. Even though they were getting a handout, they had responsibilities now, and they could shirk those responsibilities or deal with them forthrightly. And those responsibilities actually make you happier and make you feel like you have earned something and that you're working towards something instead of just receiving a anonymous sum from the government. Yeah, and. I, I agree with you. Okay. You you make you, you fair point. And uh, yeah, and I think barring a large spiritual revolution in America, that idea I don't think is feasible anymore. And and what and I'm not saying it shouldn't be a struggle and it shouldn't be something we do for years, but I I'm with you. It's like the the thing that you're laying forth is the people who should be taking care of the poor are us. Yes. Right? And I think that... In the in the terms that we choose to. Yeah, and I think the problem with that in today's country is, like, there's not nearly enough people who care. We have completely eviscerated the social fabric of our country. Right. And I think the government is partially to blame. I agree. And I think, and I think like, well, you might say, like, what is the best thing to spend your time doing? And like that would probably be it, and that's I think one of the one of the core tenets we actually wanted to do in this show is like you know to talk about you know like, um, you know basically there's a there's some kind of hole that's in our society, and like one of the best things you can do to fight against that is to be responsible, be caring, take on something beyond yourself, and pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, and yeah, there there is a church-sized hole in our country, right? And and that's a whole nother show, but and but if we can make a system that acts more like that and moves us closer to the goalpost, maybe that's something worth doing in the here and now, so that we can slowly edge this back to where it needs to be. And I think giving people the opportunity to make their own economic choices is exactly that. I I, I don't disagree with you. I yeah. think, like I said, I think it's better because it's it's. It's redistributionary, but not uh, infringing on the on the free market. Right. Here, but there are a couple of more. There's a couple more issues that we haven't talked about yet that are worth mentioning. Can I say one just real quick that I think is the biggest problem? Yeah. It's incredibly expensive. Like it's far more expensive than what we have right now. If you're gonna hand everybody a thousand dollar check in America right now, it dwarfs what we're spending on Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Yeah. See, that's the problem. Like it's a huge problem. For when me. I said I would trade it in an instant, that is the very, price tag matters. The price tag matters. Sure. Thousand dollars. So what's that? Three hundred million. Yep. Uh, times twelve. It's a massive amount. Yeah. That's a ton of money. Yep. So. And right now, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid are our biggest expenditures as a country. Sure. But yeah, that's a that's a huge amount. So I a thousand. I don't know that I would make that trade quite so quickly. Yeah, like I don't know. And I, but then because the question I, becomes because like, is my base my is, base level would be if it was the same price. My base I wouldn't I don't want to give another dollar to social safety nets. My sure. base level is if it's the same price. Sure. Then I'd prefer them to stop meddling in the transactions. And the problem is, is a thousand dollars even enough to live on? Yeah. And then and then the better question is, okay, well whatever that number is that is what we're spending today. Is five hundred dollars? Let's just call it five hundred, right? Is five hundred dollars enough to live? Of course not. It barely pays for your food. You right. know, like, and I should be a little bit more clear with that. It probably pays for your food, but you know, it just pays for your food. Right. Um. So just to, depending on what you're eating too. But anyway. Okay. So let me let me. Um. The, there's another good argument in that same vein. The government sucks at everything they do. Sure. Except for defense, really. Yes. Um, they that, suck. That and checks. The idea that this program and getting would, money. Yeah. The idea that this program would work flawlessly is pretty stupid. Chris, I and don't know. The affordable debt, healthcare website was really good. Our debt is getting so big, Fair so enough. big. It's just good like, argument. how much money can we keep spending? I'm not. <laughs> yes. Obviously, <laughs> Obama's learned <laughs> hashtag learn to code Obama. Um, anyhow. Um, yeah. There's a couple arguments we haven't brought up yet. Oh, one. Please, yeah. It's incredibly inflationary. Yeah, because if you raise the the, the, you're, you're the just, price of everything in the economy, if you give everybody a thousand dollars, it's like, well, then I can just start charging more for things. Yeah, but you add more, and maybe this is confusing if you're not like an economics buff, but the idea is, if you do that, let's say you do that for one month, you've added three hundred million dollars more 
or that's if you gave everyone one dollar, isn't it? Sure. Holy, um, times a thousand. So what is that like? A lot. Uh, yikes! That's like that's like three is trillion. I don't even know. I can't do numbers. I think it's three hundred billion. Yeah, it's three more zeros. So it'd be three. No, yeah, three hundred billion dollars into the economy in one month. If you add three hundred billion dollars, that's increasing the supply of capital, which is going to, in turn, increase the demand for goods. If you increase demand for goods you also increase not the supply of goods right exactly listen, the Key supply point. of capital yep the supply of capital increases the demand of goods you increase the demand of goods the price for goods goes up that's what Period. Keynesian gets wrong is just increasing the demand doesn't increase the supply and right. supply increasing requires capital that's exactly right so and so it's the, an incredibly inflationary policy that the thought and, and if you let it peter out if you let all the chips fall where they may, eventually you would get to a place where people are getting something without adding into the supply. There, yep. So there's increased demand without increased supply. The prices are going to go up. The currency is going to inflate. And I truly believe on a long enough time frame that the the purchasing power of those individuals would change, it would not change at all. It would change negligible, neg mm, I can't even speak. It would change. Uh, negligibly. Negligibly. I can't do it. It wouldn't change. Okay, guys? Okay. Get but off my back. This is a good point. It wouldn't point. change. This is a great point you're bringing up because when they say it increases part-time hiring, the clear opposite argument to that is, or it could just increase prices. Right. Because it's like, well, people in my economy now have a thousand more dollars. I'm going to raise my burgers from four to five dollars. Who's going to care? They can afford it. They just got a thousand more. That's that's not only in theory what would happen. It is exactly what we observed to happen when we increase the supply of capital in a country. And I think, Christopher, what we would also see is that because supply and demand kind of moved together to that sweet spot, we would see both happen. And what that means is nothing really changed. The economic pie pretty much stayed the same. Yeah, okay, right. As far as purchasing power is concerned. And the worst part is both people could see their truth or their point happening and be misguided on what was actually taking place right uh, my my theory is that supply wouldn't move at all the oh, supply really? of capital would increase which okay. would increase demand sure, sure for sure. supply of goods i think supply of goods would stay just about exactly the same interesting and the the demand would go up which would do nothing but raise the price point which would be ineffectual because there's more capital in the market to afford that price point okay so i don't think it would change at all so that's one that's one point that we haven't brought up yet but just on paper economically handing everyone a thousand dollars handing one person a thousand dollars helps that person out a lot handing everybody a thousand dollars is basically like you did nothing right because because money isn't just valuable because it exists it's valuable because it's rare it's valuable because it's scarce right and the scarcity is what imbues it with value especially in a in a system that we have uh where we have a currency that's not really backed by anything it's not like finding a thousand dollars in a uh, in a mine shaft that then we can trade against the global competitors and other global currencies it's just printing more money the problem you're raising is a huge problem in the finished study because there's because it's like if you just Correct. give two hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, two hundred, or give six hundred dollars to these two hundred people, two thousand people, then you're not really giving everyone in the economy more money. It's not universal. No, it's, it's just not. basic income. It's just basic income for this group of people. And, and here's I, I've got a couple more, but I guess I'll put you on the back foot for a second here. Okay. And this is the ideological problem that I have with universal basic income, and I think it kind of tips the hand of the people that are trying to instantiate policies like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess it was Biden, and I don't know that Biden is specifically back to UBI. I don't know. I haven't heard him. But in general, the Democratic candidates are very against Trump's tax cuts. Sure. If, if say that there's no waste in the government, which there is waste in the government, but Trump made tax cuts, and it basically put money back into everybody's pocket in the economy except for the very wealthy. This is objectively true. Right. You can look up the changes in the tax brackets, uh, and basically the only people who suffered were high earners in very liberal states like California because now they have to pay uh, they have to pay some taxes twice. They have to pay federal and state taxes on certain goods where before there was an exception where they would only have to pay them once. Yep. That's effectively the only people who are paying more. Uh, but the average worker, like me, who's earning, you know, a white collar but but 
you know, median salary. And even the blue collar workers, you know, maybe making anywhere over 40K a year uh, or, or less than that. Any of those people, they got money back in their pockets. So my question to you is why are the Democratic constituency so against the Trump tax cuts and I'm not talking about the dumb people who don't know that they actually got money back because most people don't know that they got money back right. from the Trump tax cuts. But I'm talking about the powerful. I'm talking about the people running for office who understand the policy. Why are they against the Trump tax cuts and for UBI? Because basically the Trump tax cuts did the same thing that UBI would do, mm. only they cut the government out of the equation. No, and that's a great point. And it's it's one of the things that I don't necessarily like at all. I think... I think, uh, you know, and that's a good question because I don't know if I've heard Yang's position on the taxes. His his discussion whenever he talks about how he's going to pay for UBI is that because Amazon paid like zero dollars in federal taxes last year, he wants to do what is called a value-added tax on large corporations. And I don't, I, I understand what that is. I don't understand enough of it to have an opinion on it at this point. Do you, do you know what Apple's currently evaluated at? Like eight dollars? Uh, no, okay, just keep going. But okay. uh, I'll just ta- tell you how stupid that is. Okay. Um. So, so, but you raise a perfect point. Is because, like, yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely, I would love, 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 love tax cuts versus UBI. Um, I think people because it achieves the same goal. The only thing I think that UBI provides a benefit to me that I see is that. In some way, we need a social safety net, whether that's the church, whether that's local communities, or whether that's the government, that kind of does something to help the poor along. And I'm wondering if UBI is a better solution to that versus what we have today. And I think in a lot of ways, it seems to me it is, except for the huge fact that it's completely unaffordable. Right. Um, right. And so... Let me tell you... Well, We're talking about value-added tax now? It's not unaffordable if you raise the taxes on everybody. But it is unaffordable if you're just going to do this value-added tax. Okay. Apple, one of the Fortune 5 companies, not big, 500, big daddy. Fortune 5, their current market capitalization right now, in uh, I'm just looking up their current quote, which is basically their shares outstanding uh-huh. times the share price, right now is $917 billion. Okay. $917 billion. So basically, if we were going to do $1,000 like we were just talking about, Apple... In three months, it would take Apple's entire market capitalization to pay for pay for the policy. You're so we're saying talking that about the value added tax could never begin to start paying for universal basic income. No, it, it, okay. it wouldn't even get close. I'm saying we would empty the company out of not only its cash reserves but its entire market valuation in three months. Fair enough. Good point. So that's not going to work. That's nonsensical, which basically means to instantiate a policy like that, you would have to raise the taxes on everybody and then give them back a portion of their taxes. How is that different than a tax cut? It would be a, it would be raising the taxes because there would be government waste involved. Right. But the problem is that if you are against tax cuts, so you want people to be paying you more money, but then you say, but we're going to hand you all $1,000, what you're saying is that we don't want you to have more of your own money. We want to give you some money. Right. And that's this insidious thing about UBI where it fosters government dependence. And we've talked about it on the show before. When you start fostering government dependence, you enter into this dark quagmire where you are effectively making the individuals the slaves to the government. Yeah, and I think, I think, see, and this is one thing that I don't agree with with Yang, and I may be proven wrong here, but he thinks that AI is going to take over the world and nobody's ever going to have a job again. He dumb. And so I don't think that makes sense to me because I feel like people have said that. I feel like that has happened in our economy, and yet people have still found ways to add value to the economy. And if the economy ever gets to a point where everybody's taken care of and there's no problems, I think everyone just then doesn't work. I mean, we've made the replicator at that point, right? There's no more scarcity. Capitalism is not is not useful anymore. So it doesn't make... So a universal basic income in that society just doesn't even make sense. Like, why would I pay for anything if we have everything we need forever? Yeah, ex- exactly. So, but, exactly. But going back to it is, he, he thinks that, and so his, his response to that would be something like, well, there's a need for people to have a basic income because a tax cut doesn't give you any money, you know, or doesn't make you any money, if that sort of makes sense. What I mean by that is you don't have – if you have a job, a tax cut's great. If you don't have a job, it doesn't matter. Right. I agree. That, sure. So it's just – it's the, at that point, now you've left every economic argument behind. Sure. And you're just straight redistributionary socialism. Sure. And I think you're thinking – and it, 
if there was a world where, like, let's say only 20% of the people could work, like, okay, I could understand wanting to provide uh, a universal basic income for the 80% of people who literally had no income to them coming into them. I'm, I'm not sure UBI is the right solution there. I don't think that makes sense in that world. Mainly what I'm concerned about it is, is it a better alternative to the social spending, the, the social capital we have today? I, I, in some ways, I think it is. In some ways, I think that the because the, the multiplication of it gets just so vast when you talk about everyone has to get it. Right. And a lot of benefits come from the everybody has it, right? Like the mental health and things like that. Like, I don't have to worry about it. I just get it. Right. Um, it's like, if once I make $45,000 a year, I lose it. Tough, you know. And, I, and uh, on top of that, on top of that, we haven't, we, you still haven't addressed the inflation issue. No, so exactly. And I, it, does the yes. mental health really get better when you don't have any more purchasing power? That is the Open one part. Question. That is the one part that experiment didn't, didn't catch. And it's a good for you to bring it up. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess my take on it is, you know, I am all for finding new inventive ways that help us make our economy better. But at the moment, I think, uh, personal responsibility and people, uh, having some faith in their community is probably the best right now. But, Man, I would love to be proved wrong. Uh, you know, I would love to find I would love to find anything better than what we have right now. And um, I would love to find the replicator from Star Trek too. Sure. You know what? Let's put a pin in it right there. Hunter, I enjoyed that conversation. I really did too. I think it was good. I thought I think there's a lot there. And it, it, here's the deal: if you haven't heard about it, get ready to. Yang is going to be in the Democratic presidential uh, debate. And I promise you that's going to be the thing he says 500,000 times. Whether he's a contender in the uh, 2020 actual campaign or not, you know, this is going to become at least something you're going to be hearing in the news every day. That's right. And if he wins and it passes, God help us all. God help us all. This has been Carl Pooling, a great show. Tell your friends. Just tell a friend. Tell Subscribe a friend. on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Google Play. Play. Follow the show at Carl Pooling. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Follow it at Carl Pooling. Uh, podcast on Facebook. Follow Hunter at Emotional, Emotional Carl. Carl on all the socials. I'm at Chris X Carl. Send us an email, carlpulling at gmail.com. Seriously, guys, we've had the biggest. We've had the biggest uh, week of subscribership and listenership in the history of the show. And also so, just like steady maintaining that too. Like yeah, just keeping a good, healthy number that's getting bigger. So, so we really appreciate that. But but also, given that huge number, we know how many of you are listening. Go rate us. Give us a rating. What's wrong with you people? We've Listen. got like 17 ratings. And we have more than what? We have like 20, 20 times that listenership? More uh, than that. Least. Oh, 30 times at least. So go give us a rating. Do your thing. And uh, we I love you. I swear, if you send me an email and don't rate me on iTunes, we're not reading we're not it on the show. It on and the show. we will know. You have to screen cap your review. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad that you guys have been listening. This show is uh, it's super it's fun. It's super make. fun to do, and uh, but it does take a little bit of time, and you guys can help us out by uh, sharing it and rating and reviewing. That's like a really simple way that you can help out the show. You can, uh, yeah, get this to more people if you think that's valuable. So, anyway, socialism sucks. UBI not a good idea. <laughs> and so and that that's it. That's Carl Pulley. Get out of the backseat, guys. We're get all... tested. Not in the backseat. We don't oh, do no, that. No, to be clear, uh, to be on clear. the last episode, Hunter said get tested out of the back. We're out of time! <laughs>